Welcome to Belief Busters Podcast, where we change the world one belief at a time. True transformation happens when we question if the beliefs we hold are of truth, or simply someone else's belief that we have internalized as our own. I'm your host, Rev. Cherie Taylor-Jones, and I'm glad you could join us on the journey. I am really excited about the conversation that we are going to have today with Margaret Mary O'Connor. Margaret has a Bachelor of Science degree from the University of Buffalo and a Master's of Art in Pastoral Ministry from Christ the King Seminary in East Aurora, New York. So you know she's a New York girl like I am. She is a former chaplain and currently is a Eucharist minister. She literally walks the walk on picket lines to help keep the issues of women's ordination and church accountability on the pre-sexual abuse issue at the forefront of any Catholic's attention. She believes any Catholic deserves at minimal at least the truth from Rome, as opposed to the continual outright deception they are receiving. She is also a member of Call to Action, Future Church, Roman Catholic Women Priests, Women's Ordination Conference, and SNAP, which is the survivor's network of those abused by priests. Margaret's goal is to initiate a worldwide conversation about the factual truth of Mary Mother of God being a woman priest in the Catholic Church's early history. So you can see why I'm super excited to have Margaret on the show. Welcome, Margaret. Oh, thank you very much, Reverend Cherie. Excited as well. I'm glad. I'm really glad that you're here. What the audience may not know or our listeners may not know is that I was also raised Catholic and I went to Catholic school up until the time I was 13. Um, so there's a heavy indoctrination in my history about Catholicism. And so it's just really refreshing to have a conversation with another woman of power questioning the indoctrination that we've received. You hit it right on the target. It, it is, I mean, it's awful to say, but it isn't an indoctrination. Um, when you look back, especially into the early a history of our Catholic Church, and you wonder, you know, wait a minute, how do we ever get to this point that obviously men are at the top and we know where, where we are, we are basically at the bottom. Right. And, you know, right away, some people might think, well, right away, I'm sexist making such a statement. But there is biblical research, which then brings credence to what we will be discussing today. Any of the information, you know, that I give your listener. John Winsberg said a book about the ordination of women in the Catholic Church. And he specifically mentioned that in the early church, the uh, Latin-speaking theologians took from the Roman civil law. In other words, they incorporated this church law from Roman civil law. And this, for a woman, you were just basically nothing. So there was already that preconceived bias there in Rome. So you have these theologians that have already experienced that, and now they think this is all right to incorporate their church law based on 
such a law that was so oppressive, that was so bigoted against women. So right there, you can see from the very beginning, unfortunately, for women in the church, except for Mother Mary, there were 10 strikes against you. Right. What I really find interesting is that when I was in seminary, that was the first time that I heard about women being the spiritual leaders in Christianity. And I was floored, just floored. Yes. Because let's face it, when we were in the Catholic Church, from the time, well, in my case, I grew up in the 50s, I was told there never were women priests in the churches. Then, like, for you to find that out, and then as well, when I was doing my research, it wasn't just women priests. There were women bishops. There were women deacons. There were women teachers. And it was like, whoa, you know, am I really seeing what I'm seeing? And then the highest point was one in uh, that same book from John Muscat. He specifically said that Mother Mary, Jesus's mother, was a woman priest. And I, I'll tell you, I like threw the book up in the air and then I had to pick it up again. <laughs> After a book, did I, did I just see what I saw? Yes. I mean, it, it, the resonation of it was just, it was wild. It was wild. It was unbelievable. But isn't that so sad to think how such an important history has basically been swept under the carpet from the 16th centuries, from around AD 30? Up to 1927, Mary, Mother of God, had this title as the model of all priesthood in the Catholic Church. And the way that the church fathers, why did they take that away from her in 1927? Well, was it any coincidence that back at that same year, there were women from other church denominations that they themselves wanted to be priests, women priests? But it was the way they did it. Who are these men of God to decide that they can take Mary's title away from her? Right. I mean, it's just unbelievable. But your listeners, this is so exciting because obviously today we have no woman priest in our church. And that's one of the main things that the church fathers have said. Look at there never were women priests. So we now know why. I always wondered hierarchy acknowledged the early history of the church. Right. Well, believe it or not, there's several skeletons <laughs> that are within their closet. And, and certainly they don't want them to see the light of day. Yeah. No, I understand what you're saying. It's It's such a travesty that Mary has been reduced to the womb. You know, I mean, that's all that she's revered for is birthing Jesus. Yeah. Not that that's not something that's powerful. It is women in general, that that is their only usefulness in the world to bear children. Yes. And Pope Francis has had several quotes. And again, it's in relationship to that, into childhood. And then he's making comments about about Mary or women are, are seen as so important in the church, even over bishops. But I mean, seriously, how can you make statements like that when the woman in the church, a regular, everyday Catholic woman, have the same equality 
There's the fellow men in church here. Right. Exactly. And so what you're doing is really powerful work. I know that you've written a book. Tell us a little bit about your book, please. Sure. It's called Scandal in the Shadows, the original priest, Mother Mary. And I'm using the word scandal. It can also mean omission. So it's basically the omission of the Catholic Church hierarchy. I'm telling us, letting us know that Mary, woman priest in the church. And I know maybe the listeners are thinking, wait a minute. Uh, do you mean she was Jesus's mother? So is this maybe some type of like an honorary title? Mm-hmm. In 1854, the church fathers, when they gave Mary the term immaculate conception, it was under the stipulation that they had approved that she actually was a woman priest. When you think of it, when Jesus was conceived, that, of course, was through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit anointed Mary and Jesus. So Mary received the same blessing that Jesus received. Both of them were never went through any type of ordination. It was, you know, the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So under Jesus, Mary is the high priest, the first priest. Powerful. That's really powerful. It changes our beliefs, doesn't it? It changes the beliefs that we've been indoctrinated that... Um, women are second-class citizens in, in Catholicism. Their only worth is to birth as many children as possible to grow the Catholic faith. And now here we are talking about women as powerful, ordained uh, beings of God, of light. So sad because this is something that should be that we should have known about. And I do have a petition in my book. And I want Pope Francis to bring back that title to Mary Priest. And I even mentioned, I really believe Mary Priest would be, uh, have her picture like in our churches. Mm -hmm. Yes. And especially for the young Roma and young girls growing up. Because when you look in our church, if you're a boy, well, seeing men on the altar. Right. If you receive a call from God, it's clear sailing. Obviously, if any woman does, it's not going to happen. And what happened is by them uh, not, you know, denying us this, they've denied our religious heritage. When you think of it for a woman, we, like if it was a man, like maybe in their family, uh, Uncle Joe was a priest, uh, Christopher was a bishop or Ryan was a cardinal. Well, what do we have? And they'll say, well, you had uh, Mary Mother of God. Well, back then we had no idea that she was uh, a woman priest. Right, yeah. It's exciting when, you know, you think of Mary as a priest because you're seeing this whole other side of her. And so many times, I know personally, um, I couldn't always relate to Mary because She was so perfect. Mm -hmm. But now with this other side of her, she was like an everyday woman. And this Elizabeth Johnson had a book out and she mentioned in there how like the artwork in the 16th and the 17th centuries were portraying her with blonde hair and blue eyes. Well, where did Mary live? So they can't even 
haven't even portraying Mary, you know, as she was, but getting back to the region where she lived. And obviously, it, Jesus grew up in a, um, they didn't have money. So right. you always heard of a woman having to walk miles for water mm-hmm. and prepare a meal. That was like a major uh, half of the day. So she could relate, obviously, uh, you know, to everyday chores and work. And uh, she was out on those same roads, you know, doing her ministry. I remember, um, I think I was about 12-ish, and I really felt called to ministry, you know. And I remember being told that's that's not something that's going to happen. It was almost like evil to have that kind of thought, you know, like it was against God to have that thought as a woman wanting to be a priest. Yeah, you were probably put in your place. Very I was. <laughs> <laughs> None of that heresy. <laughs> exactly. Yes. And so I was not really welcomed. And, and for me, you know, that started my journey now to releasing Catholicism, you know, and coming into a new way of thinking. What I think is really amazing about you, and I think it takes all of us to change, right? So my path is from the outside, but what I think is really amazing about you is your path is from the inside, within Catholicism. So share a little bit about that journey and how you've gotten here. Yes, my road, I have a long road. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Earlier, I grew up like in the 1950s. And you just knew you wouldn't like uh, question your priest or let alone mm-hmm. roll. And there was this term pray and obey. Mm-hmm. So it really put all the Catholics in their place because uh, who were you? That's basically, you know, these people that were uh, priests on the altar, they had special training. I mean, you know, what, what right would you have to question them? Yes. So as I grew up through the years, I did hear like rumors. I, I call them rumors of women being priests. Well, then when I, I got on in my middle years, I, I really, that was something that I really, I started to think about and I wanted to try to find an answer. Mm-hmm. I, I went for my pastoral ministry degree. And of course, I didn't hear a word about women priests. What a surprise. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So then there was a few years, I'm being generous now, uh, <laughs> that, that uh, I heard more of this and I thought, I'm going to find out some way. So then I really started doing, looking at books about women, you know, and I came across John Winsgard's book. Uh, there's even a book written by a sister, Chris Schenk, and it's called Crispina and Her Sisters, Woman in uh, Authority. and they do an extensive study of going back in the catacombs and, you know, you see the drawings on the walls Yes, and they like would see a picture and they have like experts that explain it like a Bishop uh, there. He's, there was a special chair for him that you knew that was just the Bishop's chair. He was the Bishop. Well, then just to the side of that, it was basically the same portrayal, but this time, it was a woman that was dressed like in priestly and bishop attire. 
and as well in a, a chair that you only knew that was for a bishop. And even if you go through the research, like uh, there was this Pope Chalasis back in 496, and he had to write a letter to his bishops because he was so upset. Who are these women to be on the altar when they are performing roles imputed for only the males? But what I'm trying to say is that's, in a sense, proving that there were women priests because why have even had to wrote those letters? And then going through the history, uh, the early church fathers obviously had their plan against women up through the Middle Age. And you had canon lawyers in this one canon lawyer. Uh, of course, if men went astray, it was, you know, the woman. She it was, was always the woman. Yes. And she, she was a she-wolf. She was a night-wolf. <laughs> she was a night owl. She was a bloodsucker. I mean, this it just got totally uh, ridiculous. And in fact, when they brought this concept of celibacy into the church, the reformers, uh, a way of them trying to get like the priest, you know, to, to get the celibacy rolling, they would do anything they could to denigrate a woman's character. So here you are, you're doing this research. Now, I can't imagine that you are celebrated within your Catholic community. Well, due to the COVID, I haven't been back. That way, it's been sort of quiet. I've, I've been under the radar. But I've been very surprised because I figure at some point it's got to break out. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. Uh, Have you spoken to other women regarding this, other Catholic women, regarding this new awakening? Most of them are for it. But again, there are some that that aren't for it. In fact, I sent one lady that I knew for years in the church, and she appeared to be Mm open-minded. I thought, oh, this will be a nice Christmas present. So I get this phone call. Peggy, what did you send me? Oh my God. So I tried to explain. That was it. She never called me back. I mean, I feel bad about that. But uh, my whole premise behind writing this book is I want the average everyday Catholic and I want Christians as well to see the Catholic Church like they've never seen it. But more importantly, I want them to realize that they have been betrayed by their own church. They have been lied to. Why is it okay that we can't question these men that are supposedly representing Jesus's ministry? I agree with you 100%. Why can't we question? When you think of it, going back to that pray and obey in our Catholic church, Mm-hmm. We never had to think about anything or question anything. That's right. So, especially for the uh, older, <laughs> for the older audience, myself. No, um, I think it's really um, foreign to them this concept. And I'm not trying to make excuses. Uh, they could be very uncomfortable because I think if they start questioning this themselves that realization that, yes, this is the truth, then they're going to feel that same pain of, of being betrayed. Right. Yeah. I, you know, it's a really hard concept to look at what we've been indoctrinated to believe 
right? So here we are as kids. Of course, you know, we're sponges. We take it all in. We believe that that is truth. But then there comes a point as adults, and that process is a lot of unraveling and questioning truth. And that can be a really scary prospect for some. And I think that's it. They're, they're just so afraid. But I'm trying to reach like the millennials because that's really the last hope for our church. You have to get that younger generation that I think would be really very receptive to this. Mm-hmm. Them involved. Because the whole problem is the Catholic church hierarchy. Now I'll be thrown out of the church. No. They're in the driver's seat. Yes. They've never been held accountable. And even Pope Francis back in 2010, he had a book out on heaven and earth. And in there, he said basically that the women feminists uh, received all the rights that they were working for when women received the right suffrage. 1920? Do you mean since that time that women... <laughs> We've received everything. We don't, you know, need any changes. But seriously, move it back into the church. And if you have our present pope that doesn't recognize women's equality as an issue, well, then that's a major problem. This issue has never been on their radar, and I think that that as well it's is uh, the whole crux of this issue. It sounds like you're calling for overall reform of the Catholic Church, not only just about women equality, but also from, you know, reading your bio, you're you're asking about priests to be accountable for their behaviors, for their sins. Uh, Yes, again, and especially with the priest sexual abuse issue. I mean, again, the people will come out of the church. Who are you? You're the ones that are destroying the church. Get out of this church. And some other words, we'll just leave it at that. Right. But I said to the one woman, I said, could you just tell me what is wrong that I'm asking why should priests be allowed to rape children? Why that's all right? Yes. And she didn't say anything. She turned around and she walked away. And this bishop that I was picketing for, um, Bishop Malone, uh, well, he was a previous bishop. He no longer has that title. Right. I remember he that. reinstated this one priest who was just let go by the previous bishop. And I knew right away, you know, just bring someone back that the last bishop removed of his duties. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, this man went back to his ways. So what did this bishop do? Glowing letter to a Catholic. I didn't realize the Catholic Church, they have a certain like Catholic cruise line. And this, in other words, this offending priest was his morals were beyond reproach. Wow. Yeah. I mean, and that's the stuff that will go on until not only the priest, but the bishop enablers, like he was, and the Catholic or the cardinal enablers. When you look at this whole issue, really, basically, hardly anyone ever goes to prison. Back in 2002, I think there was a Gary Shanley in Boston. In fact, it ended up he was murdered in prison. But if you don't send some type of a message that this behavior 
is not going to be acceptable. Correct. Well, then it's just going to still go on, which it does today. Yes. Yeah. And that's, that's the travesty that we're so indoctrinated to not question the hierarchy, to not, not question the cardinals, et cetera, that they get away with doing whatever they choose to. And that's why I was just, it just floored me. I thought, where are the throngs of Catholics? Even if their child wasn't raped, well, wouldn't they want to be standing up for fellow uh, Catholic parents? Right. You would think so. Not so much. Silence. 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 What do we know about silence? Silence is, is an agreement to, is it not? My work is cut out for me. Yes, it is. You're going to be busy for a very long time. <laughs> You've written this book. What it, what's your hope about it? I'm hoping that it's going to wake up the average Catholic. We're known as the laity. You know, sits out in the pews. Yes. And I'm hoping that any Catholic, whether it's here in the U.S. or over uh worldwide Mm -hmm. is going to understand that there's a whole other side of the Catholic church that you have no idea about. And especially for women, finally seeing Mary as a priest is going to level the playing field. But until the Catholic church community, the the parishioners worldwide know of this uh, hidden truth, they don't even realize today there's an issue. So they have to realize there's an issue. And then again, it's not only them realizing, then they have to relate to it. Because you have to remember the lectionary in the Catholic Church and woman I hardly ever mentioned. And if I said to someone, oh, who's Lita? Oh, what was her name? Kale? These were woman priests. Well, it's the same thing. There were woman deacons. Yep. that you never heard their names. There were women apostles. And I really found this interesting. You know how we all hear the same story that Jesus sent out only the 12 male apostles. Yep. So in our minds, it was just male apostles. Ida Ramming did biblical research and she found a concept that's called the concept of apostleship. And what that means is who was an apostle that could be anyone that was divinely and solemnly sent out either by their community or by the risen one. So then that gives you credence when you hear this new biblical research that beyond Mary Magdala, there was um, Susanna, there was the woman of the tomb and this one apostle, Junia, for years was not to be a male, where in fact she is a woman apostle. There is hope, especially for the younger woman, that, you know, would love to be, uh, to answer God's call and, you know, become either woman bishops, priests, deacons. But you have to let Rome know. Mm-hmm. You want them to start to be accountable for why this isn't. And if they as well know that back in 1976, I mean, out of 2,000 years of church history, pretty close for us, the Pope's own commission, the Pontifical Biblical Commission, 
looked into the issue of a woman priest. And they came out with a statement in 1976 that there is no reason why women can't be priests. So what did the hierarchy do? They sat on it. There would have been no need for Pope Francis in 2016 to convene that new commission again, looking into the issue of deacons. And there was these three early Greek studies that they did, and they, they all came together. And what they did, man or woman, they were both on the altar in the presence of a bishop. Yeah. He was praying over them, officiating over them in prayer. And they put a scroll around each of their necks, and as well, they received the cup. Nice. Yes. So, and they were called women deaconesses. Okay. Wow. I mean, there is, this is what I call deceit, definite cover up. Mm -hmm. Yes. And yeah. even in Vatican II, Article 29 in the Constitution on the Church in the Modern World, in so many words said they wanted to eliminate all types of discrimination in the church. Well, hello. <laughs> well, we're still waiting. Yes. <laughs> so it seems. For our listeners, I just hope that you see that you have the option to really change the world by questioning what is truth. We know truth, right? So, yeah, yeah, we do. So I'm hoping that you look at Margaret as just this inspiring heroine who is within Catholicism, demanding that women are treated as equal, that we can be priests, we can be deacons, we can be bishops. It's all possible. But guess what? It takes all of us to make that difference. That would be great. <laughs> it would be. Margaret, we just so appreciate you being here. This has been just a lovely chat. And thank you again. Oh, thank you so much. And if they're interested in that petition, it's yourradicaltruth.com. Okay, great. Yourradicaltruth.com to sign the petition. And what is the petition for, my love? It's regarding women's inequality in the church. It's regarding bringing back Mary's title in our church that was so disgracefully taken away from her. Thank you so much. For our listeners, we'll see you next time on Belief Busters. If you are enjoying these conversations about assessing your belief systems and how to transform outdated beliefs, then please subscribe and give us a positive review. To support this podcast and its transformative work, you can also become a sponsor for as little as $5 a month. You can reach Rev. Cherie at info at beliefbusterspodcast.org. To continue on this journey of evolution, you can also get my book, Turning Your Why into Why Not, at Amazon or any other bookstores which gives you practical tools to do this work. See you next time on the flip side.